everybody. Welcome, welcome to Security Boulevard Chats, the podcast version, the podcast version of the website of Security Boulevard. Gallon, uh, great to be doing with this with you. You know, just full disclosure, you and I started doing a security podcast in 2004. That was our very first podcast we ever did. And it was on security, though. And was on security. Yeah. At still the time, doing it 20 what, years later, Mitchell. Got it going. Yeah, and we're still fixing cross I think we, we can issues. grow by them, but okay, we're <laughs> stuck in security. I like in the That's, time machine. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the wagon wheel ruts. We can't get out of it. <laughs> no, we have actually expanded on a lot more things. So, um, well, well, let's first of all talk a little bit about, you know, why we first started doing podcasting on security. Maybe we why we're still doing podcasting on security, right? And when this was actually your brainchild, I think you got it from idea from maybe Brad Feld or a few folks about starting a podcast on security. But there was a group of us, maybe a dozen or so, that were starting to do podcasts. It goes back to that whole, if you remember, Mitch, the whole Web 2.0 thing was going on, right? Intranets and RSS feeders which, you know, empowered the blogging. And then from blogging, we got to podcasting. Brad Feld definitely got me started on the blogging. Um, And then we saw the podcast sort of come up out of blogging, if you remember, right? And and you and I were both at Still Secure at the time. And, you know, and and we started doing it then because, look, it was a different world. Security was you know we didn't call it cyber it was security or infosec it wasn't the big deal it is i always thought it was a big deal it was still still very you know vertical niche it was niche it was very it was a niche business a cottage industry in many ways and and the why while people in security always thought it was the most important thing the fact of the matter was the rest of the world gave lip service to it. Mm. And, didn't understand and so, it. <laughs> yep. And so part of the blogging and podcasting was to make security, make people more security aware, more security conscious. We also um, had a lot of people moving into security as the importance of it was yeah. out through all the things going on. And I know we kind of took it on as our mission to help more people perform a security job in the products we were creating and the podcast and blogging. Because, uh, you know, sysadmins or, or network admins were suddenly now security people. Well, what do I want to do? What's that, what does that mean? Yeah, I'll go to SANS and get my training, but help, I need some resources. And that was part of why we did this. You know, I, I did a, a video interview today, Mitch, that you can probably find on TechStrong TV with the uh, Chief Security Officer of Cloudflare. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think the fellow's name. I think it was Grant... Uh, yeah, I know. Grant was his first name. I'll get you his name. Yeah, but much like you didn't. You this guy's a rock star. You'd love talking to him. But much, he's about our age, I guess, Mitch. Maybe a few years younger. But he's been in security since the late nineties. Grant Borzikas, mid nineties to late nineties, yeah. thirty Grant years. Grant Borzikas, I think, is his name. Right, Grant Borzikas, and and Grant Grant went to school for an uh, got an accounting degree. Mm-hmm. Not Perfect an engineer, not a coder. <laughs> Perfect for security. You know how he got into security? He bought uh, books. He bought uh-huh. books, real and not ebooks and not not Kindles. He went to the bookstore. He'd read a book, and when that was done, he'd go back to the bookstore and buy another book. 
And over the last 30 years, Grant has been, well, Grant's been a CISO for about 20 years, Mm -hmm. including at two of the largest banks in the world. Uh, He's worked for some nuclear power companies. And and now, of course, he's chief security officer at Cloudflare. And we had this conversation today. Mm, So here's a guy, didn't have any formal computer or technical training, right? All self-taught. My story is I don't either. I, I went to law school, right? And I mean, if any of us, you're the one who has at least some technical engineering background. Computer science, but business yeah. too. Yeah. But, um, but yet we found our way into decent careers, maybe grant more than us, mm-hmm. uh, decent careers around security. And yet today we have all these, I call them kids, but all these folks who are coming out of school with a concentration in cyber and cyber this and cyber that. And what's the most common question we hear from these people? How do I break into this business? How do I get my first job? How do I get my foot in the door? Mm-hmm. And it's like something's a mismatch because you got all this training, but you can't get a job. And then at the same time, all we hear about is the security gap, the, the, yeah, the, the security skills, skills gap shortage. And, yeah, skills shortage, that we yeah. can't get enough qualified people to work <laughs> in security. It, Mitch, it doesn't add up. Yeah, it's not all this reason, but if I think back, you know, when we hired security people back then, you hired a firewall engineer, you hired a network, you know, somebody set up the DMZ and honey pots and that kind of thing, right? And somebody just set up a monitoring system or whatever it was. Today, it seems like when we're hiring security people, we want them to know 12 things already, and they're coming out of school. So, I mean... What do you learn in school? You learn how to learn, right? Yes, yeah. you learn some good content, but a lot of that is now you got to really learn it in the real world. And so, yeah, you know, I had this conversation. Um, it was actually with um, with the CTO at Splunk talking about you have to hire people knowing that you're going to train them, knowing that you're going to educate them. It just it just has to happen because they don't come equipped with everything you're going to need. And what you think you're going to need when you hire them is not what you're going to need six or 12 months from now. So you want to hire people that can learn and apply that. That, that is much important about the skill as opposed to what are the 12 technologies that you should have. Well, Absolutely. Have three of them, you're doing good, or six. So I think that's part of it. We sort of set ourselves up to fail by looking for people, purple unicorns on Mars. Well, there's three attributes of which none you're not going to, you're not going to find anybody that way. So grow your people, help them develop. To me, that's part of why. We're, we're stuck where we are. It's that, and it's then we also say, not only do you have to have these 12 attributes, but you have to have that done them for 12 years. Yeah. But these things were only around, <laughs> you know, for, for five years. So how the heck am I going to have 12 years worth of experience doing yeah, it? Well, sorry, son, shift. you can't have the job. You had to work a triple and, shift. <laughs> yeah. So it, it is, it, it, you know, and by the same token, though, Mitchell, security or cyber, as we call it today, has never been bigger, has never been more important, has never been more of a priority. And it is, you know, things we only hoped and wished for when we first started podcasting to to raise aware, raise awareness and the and the profile of security have all come true. Sometimes not for good reasons. It's been mm. the result of of, of bad things happening. Of, yeah, <laughs> bad bad things happening. 
But nevertheless, you know, we, we've seen tremendous. And I'll tell you something else. I think in spite of the mother of all breachers that we've had, yeah. right? There's an article I saw on the Yahoo Finance about this. Was it 26 billion records or some nonsense? It's an, it's an uh, aggregation of all the other breaches into one breach. Right? Yeah, exactly. Into one big breach. In spite of the mother of all breaches, I would put forth the proposition that we're actually more secure. We're doing more for, around security today than we ever did. There are more vectors. There's more attack surface. The bad guys are better, smarter, faster. But overall, our security posture is much, much better today than it was 20 years ago. Oh, we'd be falling down at every every turn, right? <laughs> Dealing with mm -hmm. an incident if we were still there. No, no, I mean, 20 years ago, security was a rounding error on the spreadsheets. It was. You know, and talking about what some of the differences are. When you and I started in security, security, I, I call it in a, in a nice way, was security was for the monks. The few people who knew security that nobody else could understand what the heck they were talking about, and they went and did their thing and... Everybody else kind of went, huh, I don't get it. To now, security isn't just network security and protocols and TCP IP and firewall rules and nice things like that. Yes, it's all that stuff. But we're talking about compliance. We're talking about data privacy. We're talking about software, right? APIs and applications. We didn't get into software architecture and security 15, 20 years ago. No, no, I, I heard an interesting stat today. Actually, it came out of that interview I did with Grant at Cloudflare. Mm -hmm. They just did an API security report. 57% of internet traffic is API. Absolutely. Akamai would back that up too. Yeah. They've yeah. Got well, between Akamai and Cloudflare, I think they carry near one half of traffic on the internet. Cloudflare is like 25% and Akamai is about the same. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that that's certainly in there. But, you know, you mentioned network security, Mitch. And and that's where kind of, as we said, that's where security started for most people. Mm -hmm. Me, certainly. I think you as well. My first and, fire, um, 98. <laughs> yeah. I was doing managed checkpoint firewalls at a company called yeah. Neutraliant. Yeah. OPSEC. But anyway... You know, one of the people who were big in network security back then is our friend Marty Rush. Marty. And, uh, you know, Marty, of course, was the uh, founder of Snort, mm -hmm. the open source IDS, and then, of course, built on that Sourcefire, which he sold to Cisco. And Marty's now the uh, CEO of, it's Netography, I believe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, but still doing network security. He is. Well, you know, he kind of did real well and took a little time and found his next thing. Guess what? It's yeah. network security still. But, you know, Marty did a byline article up on Security Boulevard. And it, uh, it's interesting. It's um, don't mystify network security in 2024. Include on-prem and cloud. Yeah. And I think part of that, Mitchell, is when you tell, especially people who don't have 30 years in the business, hey, uh, what about your network security posture? They tend to do one of two things. Either they discount the cloud because they say, look, the cloud is kind of my when. It's outside my network. My network is still my land, right? And, and that's network security to me. I'm still putting big boxes in front of the moat, right, at the drawbridge. And, and they just think of sort of that on-prem, if you will. 
network mm-hmm. security. Mm-hmm. Or they go the other way and say, look, the cloud's blown up network security. When you say network security, I'm really talking about cloud security now. because And, and when I talk about network security and cloud, it's really IAM, right? Identity mm-hmm. and access control, identity and access management. Because what I'm doing with my network security is I don't have that choke point anymore. Mm-hmm. Where I could choke everything, but where I do have that choke point is where I allow you onto my infrastructure, whether it's in the cloud or, or what have you. And and Marty makes the point that hey, you know what? Network security includes both, mm-hmm. and and by defining it as one or the other, or one is more important than the other, you kind of miss the the totality of it. You need to kind of have a holistic view, if you will, of your assets wherever they are. And and that's been a big push, not only in netography, but with a lot of companies, Mitch, where job one, you can't protect what you don't know mm-hmm. you have. Mm-hmm. And, and so really kind of defining your attack surface and well, your assets. And if you, think of, if you think about it, I mean, yes, there are cases where what you're doing on-prem is is because you you can't do it in the cloud. Maybe regulatory reasons, data protection, whatever it might be. So there are cases where it needs to only be on-prem and it's not going to talk to other things uh, that might be in the cloud. On the other hand, most most of us, if we're not fully in the cloud, most of us are hybrid, right? We're both. We call it private cloud, public cloud, or on-prem and public cloud. It's both, and we do VPCs between the two and it isn't let me secure one and then I'll secure the other and just connect them with a, a VPC. You want the same policies. You want your policy orchestration to happen in similar ways between those environments. You don't want them to get out of sync. You have to audit both. You have to you have to do all the same things in the cloud you had to do in, in the on-site uh, on-prem data center. You just might do them a little bit differently with the services that you're using or some of it is done for you, right? You don't have to do as much of those heavy lifting in it. And, and it seems that that's part of what Marty's point is, is you gotta have a holistic view of security. It's not just network security if you're on-prem or network yeah. security if you're in the cloud, cloud security. Agreed, agreed, agreed. Um, and, and Marty's a good guy to, to make that case, actually. It's a great article that you definitely wanna check that out. Absolutely. So yeah. Mitch, going from the you know, 20, 30-year-old network security to today. <laughs> Can't, you know, I have to bring up AI. We're, of course. We're more than 10 minutes in. We're allowed. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there's an article I saw, again, part of Security Bloggers Network on Security Boulevard about the use of of AI, generative AI in cybersecurity. And, and to me, th- this kind of, there's two aspects of AI and security. They're kind of like binary star system that orbit each other. Mm-hmm. One is, how do we use AI, generative AI, to make our cybersecurity better? Mm-hmm. Right? How can we be more effective cybersecurity utilizing generative AI? But the dark star that you know circles that is... What can we do to secure our generative AI, right? We, it has to be secured. We have to make sure that the information in there, you know, doesn't fall into the wrong hands if it's proprietary. And, 
you know, there, there's a whole mission of, of securing AI. Well, and I'm afraid when these like stars... Data poisoning keeps, and new things we got to protect from, right? Yeah. Exactly. And at some point, do these two stars circling each other combine in supernova into some singularity <laughs> or black hole or what? Um, <laughs> the event horizon. <laughs> uh, what do you think? Well, you, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of one of those inevitabilities, right? So AI is happening, generative AI is accelerating things because it's, you know, now everybody has access to it and everybody wants to figure out how to use it. Um, and there are people doing interesting things in security, like, you know, one of the first things I saw was helping you with getting information out of our systems, right? It might be an observability or security monitoring or SIM or something, but it's still hard to pull information out of those things, put it into context that you can put it in a report. Or if you're doing a um, incident management situation, correlate this stuff together and tell me what really matters between that data and so people are using it in interesting ways like that for compliance reporting and and for uh, incident management i think the next thing you know to really think about is well the bad guys are using it right they're using ai <laughs> to whether it's creating fake videos and audios or using it to uh, you know find innovative that ways to attack us we have to find innovative ways to you know thwart those things and I think that's sort of the arms race of AI in the security world. It's a, it's a new, we always were in an arms race, but now we've got, you know, nuclear weapons instead of conventional. Yeah, no, we, we've got the next generation of, of weapons there, right? the, the, literally the H-bombs of it. Yeah. You know, Mitch, I did a, a TechStrong TV interview a few weeks back with, um, and let me just make sure I get this his name right here, James Murphin. Um and and James is the uh, he's a high executive. I think he's SVP of security or CISO over at Visa. Mm. Mm -hmm. Wow! And uh, there's a big job. <laughs> yeah, he's SVP, global head of risk and identity solutions at, at, at Visa. And and you know, it was how the evolution of AI enabled technology is enabling fraudsters in 2024. Mm -hmm. So first of all, people don't realize, right? Yeah, Visa is a credit card company, right? The amount of money they spend on security every year is equivalent to a small country's GDP. Oh, oh man. Right? They, yeah. they spend with B, with billions, with a B, right, on security. And they're already seeing massive amounts of AI-enabled fraud, hmm. whether it's better phishing kind of stuff, deep fake uh, uh, you know, video, email, mm -hmm. messaging, smishing, all of that, and a myriad other kinds of traffic that are AI enabled and, you know, improved by AI that's creating, I mean, and they're trying to stay one step ahead of it, give them credit, yeah, but yeah. It, it is, it's going to be a battle for the next couple of years, man. There's no other ways around. I don't know what else to tell you. Or more. I mean, I just, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a new world. I mean, I'm not saying that the old stuff doesn't apply. It still does, but it's, you know, it is, uh, you put, you put tools in the hands of people and they will do not just the expected, they'll do the unexpected with it. Right. And that's, that's, maybe it's an edge case. Maybe it's one that goes mainstream, but, and you can't wait for it to happen. Right. You have to be engaged. So when it does happen, you can recognize it and what it is and try to figure out how it's doing what it's doing and 
thwart it. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things about AI, especially generative AI, is it's not deterministic like writing an algorithm. You know, it isn't if I put A, B, and C in this algorithm, I'll get D as the answer, and it'll happen that way every time. No, I get different answers out of this. So how do you test for something in a generative AI system that you know is, yeah, that's variance we're going to see, or no, that's that's weird. It's not just you know hallucinating, hallucinating, but it's doing something it shouldn't do. Why is that happening? Is that a security issue? That's an excellent point. Is it a security issue or is it a feature? <laughs> you know, is it because yeah. it's not supposed to give you the same thing every time? Mm-hmm. You know. And by the way, I, I I don't have it in front of me, but I was solicited this week with a pitch. You know, there's a lot of companies coming out there that, you know, their whole reason for being is spotting generative AI uh, fake mm-hmm. or, or just anything generated by generative AI, mm-hmm. right? I mean, look, here at TechStrong, we've got people s- submitting articles all the time. And, and I've gotten pretty good. Our editors are much better at it, at looking at like a submitted article and say, yeah, this looks like it was Gen AI mm-hmm. generated, right? It's too flowery. It's too whatever. But, you know, but those get better every day. And we need, we're going to need technology. Actually, that's what it was. It was a company that somehow was, was going to be able to... Uh, not watermark, but watermark your likeness, your, you know, your stuff. Mm-hmm. Now I remember Sandy Carter. Remember Sandy Carter used to be a mm-hmm. SVP at IBM. Then she was yep. a, a SVP, I think, at uh, AWS. She's with a new company now, Unbound Domains or something like that. Mm. And these are W3 domains. Mm. Okay. Right? Web3 domains. Yeah. And... And it's really about taking control of your identity so that, you know, they, they kind of put your identity in the blockchain, if you will. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't have a, by the time this podcast airs, we'll have the URL and I'll give you the URL right. for that I Sandy Carter interview. Yeah. But, you know, you, your identifiable stuff will be in the blockchain and you can give it that blockchain hologram is the best way I could explain it mm-hmm. um, so that people know it's authentically you and from you or by it's an immutable you. way to figure out to tie it back yeah. to yeah. unless they hack the blockchain which you know quantum well. maybe but um, but yeah that's a pretty cool thing so I immediately after hanging out with her I went on and I I claimed a shimmy I already had a shimmy.com the domain but that was just a regular web domain mm-hmm. But I, you know, you could do like a shimmy.x, a shimmy.go, a shimmy.nf, whatever it is. And um, so I took a shimmy.go. It was cheaper than a shimmy.x. That's because this, just what we need is more domains, right? Yeah, exactly. But <laughs> I figured, let me stake my claim in, in Web3, right? Uh, we we were talking. I think it was the last podcast we did about Web two O, and now it's Web three. Yeah. And but it, it's you know there's going to be all we we need a cyber solution around this Mitchell to to manage IP to to stop deep fakes. We need it for a lot of good reasons. Mm-hmm. 
We do, we do, and you know the idea of watermarking. I think if I remember right, it was Mid Journey that recently announced they're going to start watermarking their images, so you can tell it was generated. Right now, you can a lot of times right. you can look at it and tell it, but you know, deep fakes kinds of problems. Well, rep, you know, reputable diamond places are doing that now with mm -hmm. what they call you know non Earth created lab created diamonds. Yeah, that in like very micro that you can only see with the you know the jeweler's Jewel, piece yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah you could see it'll say you know lab created or something like that mm -hmm. um because you really you know and i don't know enough to know what i don't know but supposedly you really can't tell a lab diamond from an earth diamond um because you know it they're that they're made in the same kind of process except one is done in days and the other is mm -hmm. done in millions of years really good and uh so there's a little difference in price. Little, more than a little. But um, well, we're going to need the same kind of things. I mean, again, that's, I think, part of just another aspect of the cyber mission that we weren't even thinking of 25 years ago. Not even on the radar, you know. <laughs> no. But, you know, back to what we were, you know, when we started doing this 25 years ago, that wasn't part of cyber. No, or huh. part of security. Security wasn't cyber. It was, yeah, exactly. Very, very different world. I'm, you know, as, uh, there was also a really um, interesting. I believe it was a webinar, if I remember right. There's a webinar on logging's not dead. Long live logging. You know, you still yes. need the plugs. Right. So I, I got to talk to you about that one, though. <laughs> oh, okay. Tell me about that. There was a webinar <laughs> scheduled. Um, unfortunately, it had to be postponed. I think there wound up being a speaker conflict. Oh, but it's going to okay. be—it's going to be a webinar coming up. I don't know if you were on the call when we were going over that with the team earlier. I did hear about it on the call. Yes, I. You know, so but it's an interesting concept, right, Mitch? Because when we first started doing security, yeah, you had logs. And logs were used for forensics. Mm -hmm. So you kept your logs in your log files. And then, you know, 180 days after the attack, you found out there was an attack. And then you said, you know, Mr. Chekhov, go back to the logs and tell me what you see there, right? And, and you, you go said, back well, to these. We only keep them 90 days. <laughs> right. Well, very sorry, Captain. <laughs> we only kept them 90 days. Damn it, Scotty. But, um, you know, but that's what we use logs for. And then, you know, and then with the advent of SIM technology, you know, reading mm -hmm. log files, parsing logs files, and trying to get actionable intelligence in semi-real time from a log file became a thing. My two senses, it never really worked because it's, it's just still not real time. And, and uh, but we've gotten better with, with AI and with things like that in doing that. So... Let's hope for the best and and see where we where we go from there. It's an interesting problem. Um, one of the companies I'm doing some work with is uh, Comcast Technologies, and they've spun out one of their. You could call it observability, but it's not. It's it's a product called DataBee, and it's really taking a data management approach, not a security approach, a data management approach to solving the myriad of information you want to aggregate all together, correlate, 
add context to and then find out are we compliant in this part of the organization what happened with this attack here um and they do things like even include organizational information so you can say well yes this is the thing it happened on and that's who it belongs to you know in a big company that's hard to track down so people are are taking some innovative approaches like saying well you know data data scientists have solved some interesting problem here with data lakes and some of the analytical tools let's see what we can do with that with uh, all the myriad of data we get from logs for security absolutely it'll be interesting and and you know it's funny mitch as we store more we first we pull our hair out and say oh my god what am i gonna how am i gonna pay for storing all this data (laughs) and then we get the ability to parse that data and you make actionable intelligence of it more and we say okay let's store more and so we constantly store more and we constantly find more uses for it but I always worry at some point, are we going to drown in our own data here? I mean, it, or, you know, it, it's, that's an arms race unto itself. It is. Well, it's also why machine learning took off because we had so much data. So maybe yeah. there's a machine learning opportunity here. Well, we you needed a certain critical mass of data to make the right. machine learning go. Exactly. And, and I think we, we, we passed that already, but we're on <laughs> our way. Hey, Mitch, we're, we're almost uh, at the end of time here. I wanted to just take a little time because we didn't get into it in the beginning about you know what Security Boulevard Chats looks like going forward. Mm-hmm. We are the companion podcast to securityboulevard.com. So, of course, we're going to feature securityboulevard.com uh, uh, content, but we'll also feature TechStrong TV interviews, some of our Security Boulevard or TechStrong Learning webinars, TechStrong Research, of which you're the general manager and mm-hmm. principal analyst, TechStrong Research research on security, and uh, everything else you know within the TechStrong family. But we'll go outside the TechStrong, of course, you yeah, know uh, sites as well, network as well, and we'll also be featuring guests. Right, it's important when we first kick these off that I think you and I sort of lay the foundation. But we'll bring people on. We should also mention that you, along with our friend Jennifer, Jennifer Manila, host uh, the the CISO Talk video series, which has its own podcast as well. Mm -hmm. That's once a month. Where these will be more like every week, but people should tune into that. Uh, And then we're doing podcasts companions to each of the tech strong sites so there's devops chat for devops.com security boulevard here for security boulevard tech strong ai for our uh, ai audience digital cxo for our executive digital transformation cloud native and, now yeah, and for cloud, cloud native, native now right for for cloud native thank god you and i aren't hosting all of those mitchell <laughs> we just do devops at security boulevard but just uh, leave the Mike mic on record. <laughs> yeah, we well, we could just podcast. jack us in. Like, uh, what's his name? <laughs> Red pill, blue pill, Neo. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> but no, but Mike Rizard will be hosting some of those, and and as well as Sharon Florentine, Amanda Rizzani, Bonnie Schneider doing Echo Insights, as well. Um, Jody and Jody Ashley and Tracy Reagan doing Tech Strong Women. Yeah. And, and, of course, we do DevOps Unbound as well. So there's a full lineup. 
As well as, there's also one other one, Textron 55, which is really aimed at Gen Z folks. Natan mm-hmm. Solomon will be hosting that. So we've got a lot of podcasts uh, here on TechStrong, and they'll also be, and they're all videos. You can listen audio or video. They're on TechStrong TV as well as your favorite podcast uh, platform. So have at it. And uh, Mitch, I'm looking forward to it. I am too. And, you know, we've kind of applied our learnings from podcasting before and recently and said, let's uh, more narrow cast our topics around security for security folks, you know, cloud native for software, yeah. cloud people, et cetera. And so that's why we've kind of rejiggered and started some new ones and, and uh, worked with the existing ones we have to tune it a little bit better to what our audience is asking for. And I think this is a great format. So I'm looking forward to doing more of these with you, of course. Absolutely. All right, Mitch, you want to take it home? Yeah, well, you've you've listened to another episode of Security Boulevard's Chats, and we thank you for joining us today. I'm Mitch Ashley. I'm Alan Schimmel. And you've listened to Security Boulevard Chats. Join us again another time. 